The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We are going back to the book of Peter this week. Got this week and next, I think we'll be good. We're going to look at uh, 1 Peter. I think we're going to pick it up in verse number 12 of chapter 4 and go ahead into chapter 5 for a little bit. Uh, that is the plan. Is anybody else uh, in the mood for a puppet show? I don't know why that curtain. Uh, it just seems like maybe we should have Pastor Josh go back in there and do puppets or something in, in the middle of it. It's kind of when we, I was on a uh, search committee at a church one time, and uh, the, the one guy sent in his resume, and that was, <laughs> he sent in a CD, not of him preaching, but of him doing a puppet show. I thought, that sounds like fun. Uh, but anyway, we're all set up for him, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes there. I don't think anybody would be popping up from the baptistry today and putting on a show there. Okay, our word for today, or actually Peter's word for today, is real. I think he's getting to the end of his little letter, and he says, Let's, uh, let me be real with you for a little bit. Let me just talk to you about some things. Uh, keep it real. You know, I think we love that concept of reality. You know, last week we were talking about the idea, on Mother's Day we were talking about the idea that there's no such thing as the perfect family. Well, for sure there isn't, so therefore, as parents, one of the things that we want to make sure our parents see is that right there. I had a pastor one time, he said on his gravestone he wanted to have the words, uh, uh, he was what he claimed to be. And, you know, that's, that's pretty powerful. Uh, you know, just that idea that there is a reality. And I think that's what Peter's going to get at here today is, hey, let's, ke- let's keep it real. I, I just want to be, let's, let's bring it home. Uh, let's keep it real again. Uh, here we go. So we're going to go ahead and jump into verse number 12 of chapter 4. And like I said, we've got a little ways to go here. We almost have three sermons for the price of one today. Uh, but, beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you. Do not be surprised. Uh, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit and the glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name, for it is time for judgment uh, to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. Now, let's just explore this a little bit, because I think that... uh, We have talked as we've been going through Peter, and actually this came in on Mother's Day too, and you're going to think this guy is obsessed with the idea of talking about the idea that sometimes life is hard. Okay, come on, pastor, you have to tell us that every week. Life is hard, but but I'm not obsessed with it. Peter, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, is obsessed with it, and he keeps bringing that back up over here. Hey, sometimes things are tough, so he says the bottom line is please do not be surprised when this happens. Okay, because what what can happen to us if we have unbiblical and unrealistic and unethical expectations is we can be very disappointed with God. 
And trust me, I've seen that many times where people have just looked and said, hey, God did not live up to my expectations. This is what I thought I was getting with God. And truth of the matter is, I thought everything was going to be easy. He was going to iron out all my trouble. Um, they talk sometimes about the younger generation is being raised to expect the world. Well, what we need to make sure that people are raised to do is expect a fallen world. Our world is fallen. So the first thing Peter says is, hey, don't be surprised at hard times, folks. They're coming. Don't be su surprised at persecution in particular he's talking about. It's coming. couple reasons why it is uh, coming. <laughs> Number one, we're living in a war zone. As I was preparing this on Monday morning, I had the news on in the background, and I heard a report of our first lady going to the Ukraine. I don't know if, uh, I guess she made a surprise visit to the Ukraine. And my first thought, because this is how I am, is that's a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't imagine the security. I, I get like that. We got to go hear President Bush one time when he was at the South Bend Airport. And the whole time I was just sitting there thinking, why do we spend all this money for, uh, you know, we have this one plane comes in that has all the Secret Service vehicles. You know, and they unload all that, and then you have all that security around, and, you know, and he comes in, and I just thought, how many millions of dollars are we spending? I mean, I like hearing the president, but come on. Uh, and I kind of thought that same thing. First, first thought was, why exactly is she going? But then I also thought, you know, you kind of have this picture of this war zone. You know, the first lady's going into work. Can you imagine how secure they had to be and obviously why they didn't advertise it uh, like that? Because... I have not experienced that. Now, some of you have, I know. I mean, my greatest war zone experience goes to a uh, laser tag game. Uh, I have never experienced, I haven't even played paintball. Uh, but, uh, you know, for, I know some of you have actually been in a war zone. You've actually been there. And just to think about that idea of how that, you know, the, the tension of that being on your mind and, and the possibility of attack at any time. Well, understand, why should we not be surprised when hard times come? Because bottom line is we're in a war zone. Okay, bottom line is spiritual warfare is real. Okay, and we've talked about that a few different times, and Peter has pointed that out. Don't be surprised. A second reason, though, not to be surprised that I think he elaborates on here a little bit more, he says, you are following a crucified Savior. Okay, you think about like a groupie that follows a, uh, a musician or somebody that follows a great athlete and they want to be close to them and touch them, get their autograph or whatever like that, almost hoping, hey, a little bit of this will rub off. Or somebody even who is a, a hero in your profession, you think, boy, a little bit of this will rub off. If, you know, I just want to be associated with them. I want to be around them. I want you to think about who it is that you're following when we follow Jesus Christ. For he is a crucified Savior. And it says that we are in Him. We share in Him and in His sufferings. So I think we can expect that. You know, I was thinking about this today, Ethan, with uh, your baptism. Okay, when Ethan gets baptized, he says, I want to be associated with Christ, buried in the likeness of His death, raised to walk in newness of life. I want to be associated with Him, and I want people to know that I am a believer. And that's, that's awesome. I mean, honestly, I probably, you know, I, I, I don't know if I cut the applause off there, too. I need to stop cutting off applause. But I, I, I think some folks clapped, and that's awesome to clap for. That's great, following Jesus. Okay, I mean, that, that's incredible. I uh, hope that we'll, I'll do that. When I was a teacher, I used to do on Monday morning, I'd come in, and I'd say, hey, class, uh, tell me, highlight of your weekend, what's the most exciting thing? Let's pretend that Ethan goes into English class tomorrow, and his teacher, Mrs. McFeedle, died her. 
I don't know what her name is. Uh, but uh, she says that. She says, hey, tell me the most exciting thing of your weekend. Let's pretend like Ethan says, well, I decided to uh, follow Jesus Christ as Lord of my life by being baptized. What reaction do you think he'd get? I mean, the teacher might. Uh, who knows? Depends on what Mrs. McFeederdettle believes. But uh, uh, she might be like, oh, that's great, Ethan. She might be like, we're moving on. Uh, the kids are not going to burst out in applause. There might be a few of them that come up later and say, hey, that's awesome. But uh, overall, that's not going to get a great response. When we announce that we're, th- think about this for a second. Um, okay. We, Francis and I were in Florida last year uh, in the spring, and we stayed, for the first time, we stayed along the East Coast. And we actually rented a, a room that was uh, right along the, the shore. And it was kind of weird because they said, uh, they said, you must at night, you either have to turn your lights off or keep your window shades shut because the turtles would be drawn to the light, and they would come up and uh, get too far, and that was dangerous for them, and you had to protect the turtles. They're a protected species. By the way, a quick side, even unborn turtles are protected. But I just thought I'd say that. Uh, but uh, you know, that's a priority is that they, they be protected. But I want you to think about that whole idea of being a protected species because we are not as Christians. Again, think with me for a second. And I'm not a cultural, you know, what's going on in the world. I'm not great on everything. But I hear, you know, different stories about, okay, wait a minute. This celebrity, this athlete, this head of a company has offended this group of people and needs to apologize. Okay, he's offended the Jewish community. He's offended women. He's offended, you know, LGBT or Q. You know, he's offended one of those letters. uh, And he has to apologize or she has to apologize because she's offended like that. I have never once in my lifetime, and maybe you could tell me differently, I've never once heard them say, hey, you know what? The Christian community, those who follow Jesus have been offended. Somebody owes them an apology. I mean, it really is. And I'm not whining because if I were, I would kill the point of my sermon where I said, don't be surprised. I really am not whining. I'm saying we ought to expect that. We are not going to be a protected species. In fact, we're going to be like open season. Open season on on Christians. Expect it, he says. That's where it is. You are following the one who was crucified. You're associating with him. The crucifixion wasn't a sign that they loved them, folks. Okay, Uh, and if we're going to associate with him, if we're going to be in Christ, we can expect difficulty. We can expect hard times. Now, the second section that we're going to look at in the scripture today is the first four verses of chapter five. And I'm going to be real quick about this because it's a sermon to elders. And I didn't feel like preaching to myself this morning. Uh, but uh, I, I didn't want to skip over because it, it gives us some great things. Actually, I am going to preach to myself big time, but I'm going to do it on the next section because that's the one that really hit. So, uh, so I just kind of want to read through this with you, what Peter wrote to elders. He says, I exhort you, I'm sorry, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of sufferings. Let me stop for a second here. He calls himself a fellow elder. Just to say a word about the structure of a church, structure of our church, we have an elder uh, committee. I guess we have five men right now, service elders. I am one of them, okay? And I am the only one of the elders that is paid. You know, I work every day and everything like that. So from that standpoint, I probably yield the most influence. However, ideally, when he says fellow elder, the idea is that you have er equals, is really where we are, and we really want to strive towards that. I've told the elders at different times, especially when we're talking about a decision that is the long-term effect on the church, I want the younger guys to really weigh in. 
Have I not said that? Jim, shake your head. Yeah, uh, because I want their opinion. Because like Dennis and I, well, Dennis is old, and I'm still thinking, well, and I'm still thinking about stepping out of the ministry and going into some type of professional sports. I just haven't found the sport yet. Uh, you know, so we might not be around long term is what I'm saying. So you want to have uh, a plurality there as far as elders go. And uh, just th that idea there, as well as a particular of the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, and I could stop on the other phrases, but I, that phrase, not under compulsion, always catches my attention. Basically, I don't want you to have a pastor who's walking in here every week, you know, got to make the donuts. You know, uh, I don't, you know, like, you know, somehow this is something that I have to do. I think you ought to at least have somebody that kind of wants to be here. <laughs> I think that's kind of uh, important. And uh, hopefully you get that vibe from me. Uh, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Let me say it, not for shameful gain. I don't really know the appropriate level. You know, the scripture doesn't say, here's what you ought to pay a pastor. Uh, but I do think you can pay them too much. Just that's an opinion. I, I, I think some uh, you know can be like too much. Okay, I guess it could be too little too, but it could be too much uh, that you go with. It goes on and says, not domineering, and I wanted to stop on that too. Not domineering over those who are in charge. If a pastor is known by this phrase, and I and I want to throw myself out there on this one and and say, if a pastor is he, everything about him is my way or the highway, that's a burden. Okay, so if you pick that up, somebody needs to confront me. And if, and if you don't get anywhere, somebody needs to say, okay, highway you, uh, like that, because the pastor is not supposed to be my way or the highway. You do things my way, dom domineering like that. Anyway, for be, but that we're supposed to be an example. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading glory of God. Okay, that was the sermon to the elders in general. We can come back to that sometime. You can write me in a letter about how I should have spent more time on this or something like that, whatever you like. But what I really, I've been kind of waiting to get to this all week because this has been so powerful in my life. So I want to jump into just the last three verses we're going to look at today, five, six, and, se uh, and seven. Peter went on, he says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Here's, what, here's where we start. Clothe yourselves, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. In verse number seven, humble yourself, I'm sorry, six and seven, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he will exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. This, <laughs> and any time it comes up in Scripture, any time it comes up in preparation, it's going to slap me around a little bit because we struggle with pride. And, and I, I'm going to say we struggle with pride. I mean, this, I think this is a big deal for all of us somewhat. Uh, in his famous work called The Screw Tape Letters, C.S. Lewis has the little demons are plotting the attack on men. And one of the things that he says is, hey, one of the best things we can do, do is get people proud of their humility. And I thought about this. Listen to how stupid this is. Um, I was asked probably about four years ago, somebody asked me just a private conversation. They said, what do you, you know, kind of a, hey, let's talk about something important. What do you want to be known for? And without even thinking, I said, I'd like to be known for humility. 
<laughs> now think about that statement. Uh, that doesn't make us. I appreciate one person laughing, realizing how stupid that is. Uh, I want to be known for humility. I want to be more humble than anybody. You know that, that type of thing. I, you know, as soon as I said it, I thought, well, that's stupid. Uh, but honestly, I think we can now uh, say this. I've said this before. Men are more prone to trouble with pride than women. I'm just saying, you can argue with me if you want, but you'll be wrong. Um, I still remember, you know, when my kids were little, you know, we have this little football game going. There's two, two, two neighbor girls and my daughter, two neighbor boys and my son. Uh, you throw a touchdown pass, the girls catch it, they smile at you, run back and hand you the football. The boys catch the touchdown pass, they do a dance for five minutes uh, and celebrate and throw the ball over the fence so you have to go get it. Uh, you know, so it's just this, this pride factor seems to be ingrained a little bit more in the males of the species, but we and you know it's it's tough too because if you think about the things that lead to pride they're good things if i have success in something i'm going to struggle with pride more or here's another area where i struggle with pride is when i take a high moral position okay that's a good thing is to take a virtuous position on something but then I'm going to struggle with pride, maybe because I'm successful, maybe because I've taken a high position. So we are going to battle with pride. The disciples did. If you follow uh, their lives, you know, they're jockeying for position around Christ. And some of you might remember when uh, Peter said, uh, found out what was going to happen to him later in life, that he was going to die. And he said, well, he looked at John, and he said, how about him? <laughs> and he's going to die too. And, and Jesus said, uh, none of your business. I'm paraphrasing. He says, what is that to you? But we get comparing, and when we compare, we either become envious or we think we're superior to somebody else. It's not good. We are going to struggle with pride. Okay, now, again, I told you, i got to preach to myself here a little bit. Uh, so here we go. Let's define a little bit what humility is to start with. It's a great little definition we can use is this. It is a release from a preoccupation with self. Okay? It is not playing down my gifts. If God has given me gifts... Lying about it is not a spiritual thing. Oh, yeah, I'm just no good at that. In fact, usually when people do that, they're actually fishing for compliments. So it is not denying a gift that God has given you. It is not exaggerating my faults. Again, a lot of times that comes from a preoccupation with self. I'm just no good, you know. Uh, you know, I understand I, I'm just not that good. But if we are going to have humility, we are going to reflect Jesus who had no faults, who took the higher uh, moral ground, and yet still was the perfect picture of humility. So humility is not, this is a phrase you may have heard before, is not thinking less of myself, it is thinking of myself less. Okay, I'm not the focus of everything. I learn to focus on others. Uh, why humility? Well, the Bible says in the verses we read, it says because God opposes the proud. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that opposition looks like, but I don't want it. <laughs> okay? I don't want to be on the other side of that, uh, something that God opposes. I think I'd rather be on his side. The fruit of the Spirit grows best in the, fur, uh, in the soil of humility. Um, if you would think, too, with me about this whole idea of the impact of pride. Pride resulted in the fall of Satan. You can read about it in Ezekiel and, and uh, Isaiah. The Bible talks about the idea of he was lifted up, he was proud, he exalted himself above God. Okay? Pride resulted in the fall of Satan. Pride resulted in the fall of man. Genesis chapter 3, mankind, I'm talking about. Uh, hey, you could be like God. You can be like God. 
Uh, if you do this, you know, let's, let's, let's go after your pride there. You could be just like God. You, you can know as he knows. And uh, that, that was the temptation to go after. Pride can also be that which brings us down. It resulted in the fall of Satan. It, can res- it resulted uh, in the fall of mankind. It can result in our individual failing uh, too. Um, the other day I'm sitting at a um, stoplight, stoplight, and out of the corner of my eye, the guy beside me, there was nobody else around, but the guy beside me that he was in the wrong lane, so he was going to back up and get behind me. And uh, so, But I wasn't paying particular attention. I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I saw him going, and I thought for sure I was drifting out in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> you know, so all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, slamming on the brakes like, oh, no, um, I'm going out in the middle. Um, Someone has said that pride is something that can make you feel like you're moving forward even when you're sitting still. And, you know, you kind of get wrapped up in your own pride and you think everything is good and you're moving forward, but the truth of the matter is you're sitting still. And, uh, and I have found that often to be the case. Again, pride is a particular temptation when there is success. And even in my Christian life, when I began to experience that success, and I, I don't, hopefully you connect with me because I, I kind of get stuck on this because I want you to, because that's how I get. I mean, you know, it, it's inevitable that I keep coming back to being impressed with myself, being focused on myself. It, it's all about me. So, okay, now I told you I couldn't wait to get to this idea. Here's what I want you to see more than anything today. I want to go back to those last two verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Some of you remember the King James, casting all your cares. A lot of people have that memorized. You might even have it on your wall. You might have it on your phone. Casting all my cares on him because he cares for me. That is great. I mean, it's great. Isolate on that. That's perfect. Casting all my cares on him. However, what I wanted to tell you is that these two verses in the original language are one sentence. Okay, they're one sentence that go together, and I want us to see the connection here between uh, the whole idea of anxiety and pride. Now, I'm going to have to not stay on this very long because I looked at it this morning. I don't like it, but this is my creation to try to plant this in your mind. It's pretty weird, isn't it? Can you see what I did there? I got pride and worry together, tied together. Okay, worst illustration ever. Next time I'll get a rope and time to go. Uh, So I don't even want to look at that anymore. Let's just go back to the verse. Uh, But I do want you to get in your head the idea that these two things are connected. Okay, Um, back when uh, weird weird things stick in my head, I know, and then I tell you about them and you think, why does he do it? But uh, I remember the survey that I had to fill out when I was applying to be a pastor here. Okay, and one of the questions was, is there any particular besetting sin that you struggle with? And there wasn't enough room, no. Um, but uh, I, I wrote down one particular sin. I wrote down the sin of worry. Okay, now part of me was like, okay, <laughs> I was over-spiritualizing. You know, I thought, that's pretty lame. Everybody struggles with worry to put something like that down. It wasn't very personal. You know how, you know, some, I just, you know, I, I need to confess, Pastor, I just haven't been, uh, you know, I only buy my wife a dozen roses once a week. I want to buy them every day, you know, uh, you know that type of uh, thing. I kind of felt like I was given that when I put worry. I remember, actually, I remember Chris, uh, you know, saying to me, uh, could you elaborate on that? <laughs> I was like, no, I'd rather not. Uh, but thanks for asking. Uh, but <laughs> do you remember that at all? Uh, but uh, any, anyway, but 
I'm going to say this, and this, this is kind of harsh. That is a sin. Okay? Now, you know, you say to me, if I have anxiety and I worry, I, I, I'm sinning. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, again, I, I didn't come to, I didn't want you to come here so I could yell at you about something today, but I wanted you to see that this, the reason behind my anxiety, the reason why, why it's there so often is because I am focused on myself. And most of the time it is, I see, I think I can handle everything. So the Bible says, no, cast it on him. No, no, I can solve this. I can work this out. They need me. How are they going to make it without me? I mean, how's the church going to survive if I'm not here? You know, how is the family going to make it if I don't step in and do this? Uh, I take it on myself that somehow I'm going to be able to change people's minds and, and uh, get them to live a certain way and, and everything like that. And I take that on myself and it creates anxiety when I think I can solve all the problems. So what Peter says is, do not be proud. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Proper time, he will lift you up. But instead, again, same sentence, he says, cast your cares upon him. Stop living like everything depended on you. Okay, so we understand the what humility looks like somewhat. We understand um, why it is so important with this. One other thing I want you to uh, think about is the how we can have humility in our life. Back in verse number five, uh, Peter wrote and he said, put on humility. Okay, so again, just quick illustration here for a second. I want you to think about the idea as if you were getting up in the morning and deciding what to wear. Okay, he says, here's what I want you to put on today. I want you to put on humility, okay? Choose humility, okay? This, this is where I'm going to get. And, I, and if I could be super specific about this, I want to encourage you to start your day with that. Um, I've told you this before, but every, this is pretty much an every Sunday routine with me where I'll prepare for the message. Uh, I am, you know, I have to be in early in the morning and run around making sure everything's working and, and everything like that because I'm like that. It all depends on me, okay? And uh, I'm running around and trying, trying to get everything, everything together and make sure that, that we're ready, ready to go uh, because, again, it all depends upon me. And there's a time pretty much every week when I will look at my sermon notes and I will say, <laughs> you got nothing, okay? If not for you, Jesus Christ, okay, uh, sometimes we'll sing a, a song around here that says, I am not enough unless you come. And I get to a place where I stop and I realize I am not enough unless you come. I, and, and I run into that over and over again in my life. Um, there were a couple of times this week where I had to stop and say that, you know, I was, I, the anxiety built up and, and it's like, uh, I can't solve this problem. And my wife's pretty good about that is saying, you know, can you do something about it? If you can, do it. You know, the whole serenity prayer, if you don't know that, that's great for that. But uh, help me to change the things that I can, but help me to accept the things I can't. Help me to trust you. I can't solve this problem. I want to cast it upon you, casting our cares upon him because he cares for us. Now, I have to say one more thing. I want to invite you to put that on every day by starting your day by saying, God, I need you today. Okay? Now, the course I run many times is first I better try it on my own. Then when I realize I got nothing without him, then, I, then I'll stop and say I need him. But if we could choose each day to stop and say, I need you today. I cannot be the husband I want to be, but, but through your spirit, I need you today. I cannot be the dad I want to be. I cannot be the, 
whatever your profession is that you want to be. Uh, I, I cannot be what I want to be today. I need you. I can't carry this. I can't, I can't change this situation. God, I want to cast it upon you. So choose, like you're getting up in the morning, you go to the closet, decide what you're going to wear. And hey, by, by the way, I don't know about you, but sometimes I change clothes in the middle of the day. Sometimes you've got to choose again. I want to put back on humility. I want to have that. I want to go forward. But there's one other thing that I want to make sure that I mention. And I've been trying to be very careful to do this as we go through Peter because he, gives, he is giving instructions as to how to live this new life we have in Christ. Um, I went uh, Friday morning, our weed whacker, uh, need, need a new weed whacker. So Friday morning, I went out and bought a new weed whacker. But as I was in the store and they had the weed whackers, the one I wanted, uh, it was kind of what somebody had opened the last one. And sitting on top was the instructions, you know, the, uh, the packet, stuff like that. So I had to decide if I wanted to buy this one that has already been opened. But let's imagine for st- instead of picking up the weed whacker, I just grabbed the instruction book and brought it home. Okay, I get home and I have my instructions and I read through it. I know exactly how to work. It doesn't do me much good without the weed whacker, does it? Okay, I just wanted to mention that for this reason. As we go through the book of 1 Peter, Peter is giving us some instructions about the Christian life. But back in chapter 1, he said, I want to tell you where that begins. That begins when you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's when that life begins. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't placed your faith and your trust in Him, all these instructions are not going to do you a whole lot of good. They might make you feel a little bit better. They might make you feel a little self-righteous, but they're not really going to do you any good. So back in chapter 1, he talked about the new life that is found in Jesus Christ alone. And I didn't want you just to get the instructions today. I wanted you to remember that without that new life that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ, if we just set out down this road, we're operating with the instruction book, but we don't have that, that, that new thing that we, that we need to make life go. Does that make some good sense? Okay, David and uh, Rachel are going to come back up, and we're going to sing another song in closing. A couple things uh, I mentioned before we do. One is that um, I like to hang around after church, and uh, I don't, have you ever noticed that I get like fidgety and I kind of run around all types of different places but I'm around and I like to be here if anybody has any questions whether about the sermon today whether they're about baptism uh, whether they're about uh, just this new life in Christ I'd love to be able to answer this for you and I'll be I'll be around afterwards and then the other thing is as we I forgot what we're saying David I'm sorry me too let the redeemed, okay? <laughs> I thought, me too. Do I know that one? Me too. Uh, like that. Okay, let the, let the redeemed. But as, as we're singing, I, I hope too that you remember that, that last phrase, okay? Humble yourselves. And how do we do that? We cast our cares upon him, okay? Humble yourself. Oh, I'm nothing. I'm no good. No, that's not where we're going. Humble yourself, says God, I need you. Let me cast this care upon you. And I hope you'll be able to take some time, even as we sing, to make that the prayer of your heart. If you'd stand with us, Father, uh, yeah, (laughs) unless you come, unless you minister, we waste our time. So, God, I I pray that even during the closing moments of this service that you continue to minister to our hearts, drawing us into a greater dependence on you, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2000.
2648. Thank you for listening.